The St Albans Film Guide with Simon Carver, hosted by Danny Smith. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Podcast. Uh, and this is the Film Guide, that's the one. I get confused which show I'm on these days. I need it written down somewhere in front of me, I think. But I should know it's the Film Guide because sat opposite me on our, in our virtual studio is Simon Carver. Hello, Simon. I am, yes. Yes, crikey. You don't... You know, I'm not doing anything else with you, so... If you see me, it must be film guide time. But, but we have other other things we're both involved with. We do, yeah. But it's not it's not a deacon's meeting, so it's probably his film guide then, isn't it? That's true, yeah. yeah. It's not midday prayers, so it's no. yeah, film guide. Um, but yeah, so yeah, this is the film guide. We've been doing this now for more years than either of us would care to admit to. And, and what we do is we look at the... Um, the best films to watch on UK free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. There are so many films on every single day. And quite frankly, most of them are a load of old tosh. But in between are some gems. And, and the role of the film guide is to pick those out and to offer them to you for, for your consideration. Uh, before we do that, we look at uh, the stre- streaming new releases at the moment. And we uh, are going to... Well, where are we going to start, Simon? We look at Netflix and Amazon Prime. Where are you going to go first? We're going to go with Netflix. Um, there's just one to, to mention. Um, well, one that I consider worthy of mention, as you as you say. There's, there's a lot of dross. And, and also, we try and stick to... Uh, films rather than series I mistakenly picked out something which I thought was a film but it turned out to be a series so um, anyway this is a documentary uh, Pele or Peel as my dad used to call him Um, Peel? yeah Peel yeah did he think what he was the inventor of the police force what was well, no, that I just I don't think he'd ever heard it heard the word said and he just saw it written down and thought it was Peel see I had that earlier I saw the word um uh, live and I thought it was live and it was live yeah you know, so it's the same thing easily done yeah. easily done yes so this is uh, the uh, a documentary about the iconic footballer and um, uh, a, a male impotence um, advertiser uh, Pele uh, I think he's probably better known uh, in the past for uh, being a, a footballer he's the only footballer to win three World Cup titles. He was a very young man in 1958 when he Brazil won the World Cup then and they won it again in 62, not in 66, of course, and in 1970. Um, and this is uh, interviews with him and teammates, Sagalo, Giazzino and Rivellino, amongst others. And, uh, yeah, he was... I mean, he was an extraordinary player. I think he, he was... He was kicked out of the 66 World Cup, but uh, the first World Cup that I was really interested in was the 1971, and that Brazilian team were just extraordinary. Um, Not particularly Pelé, I don't think. I think there were others in the team that shone almost more than him, but he was was probably slightly past his best by then. But uh, he's certainly an iconic figure. Um, Yes, I once saw a football programme that Badil and Skinner were doing and they were discussing Pelé and, and how that they were claiming that, that every time Pelé is interviewed, the number of goals he scored goes up and up and up. <laughs> and you know, and, and he claims that he scored like thousands of goals in his in his career. And they they wondered if he even counts like walking through the park and seeing some kids having a quick kick around and he knocks one in and thinks, yep, yeah, that one counts. Um, you know that they were mm. they were speculating. Yes, actually, I think I've heard that story as well. That he he's he's a rather creative way of counting his goals. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, mm. And if, if it's a really good one, he'll count it twice. That sort well, of thing. possibly, yes. Yeah. But uh, okay, I mean, Pele is not a stranger to the documentary. I mean, there was there was a, 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 a quite a, a, a sort of a, a big documentary about him about five years ago uh, that that was out as well. Uh, so um, it's. Um, you know, he's he's some. In fact, the thing from five years ago, that I'm looking. At, I don't think it was actually a, a documentary. It was, it was a biopic, um, as in that it's got actors credited in it, including Vincent D'Onofrio. I'm guessing he didn't play Pele, mm. but I could be wrong. But uh, but anyway, the, the the Pele documentary, just called Pele. Uh, when does that come out, Simon? It comes out on the seven, uh, the twenty third. So that's uh, Tuesday, isn't it? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Tuesday. So it comes out Tuesday. Mm. Uh, so um, yeah. So that's the Netflix new release for the week. And um, you've got one over on Amazon Prime. Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, okay, there is one on Amazon Prime. Is there? I, I I've chosen is to ignore it? it then. Clearly. Oh, was that not in the same document as the Pele one? Uh, maybe. I think I just thought it didn't look of interest so I just ignored it oh it's got some fairly famous people in it is it yeah um, <laughs> ironically it's called I care a lot whereas it sounds to you like you care very little yeah. um, on this it's, I could um, care less as the Americans say <laughs> uh, Rosamund Pike's in this um, Diane Weist Peter Dinklage oh Did yeah you come across this one yeah vaguely I think because Pele was in much bigger ah um, uh bigger print okay have you got the information there or did you want me to uh no i've got the information here right um yes it's called i care a lot it's released on the 19th um which is friday um and it stars as you've already said rosamund pike uh academy award registered trademark nominee rosamund pike uh she is poised with shark-like self-assurance her character Maria Grayson a professional court appointed guardian for dozens of elderly wards whose assets that she seizes and cunningly bilks bilks? must be some American word we don't use that word bilk do we? anyway bilks through dubious but legal means it's a well oiled racket that uh, she and her business partner and lover Fran played by Eliza Gonzalez use with brutal efficiency on their latest cherry Apparently, built. It's, it's built written in some foreign language that I'm <laughs> unaware of. Uh, Jennifer Peterson, two-time Academy Award winner, Diane Weist, a wealthy retiree with no living heirs or family. But when their mark, and I recognise that word, turns out to have an equally shady secret of her own and connections to a volatile gangster, Peter Dinklage, Maria is forced to level up in a game only predators can play, one that's neither fair nor square. Okay. I'd never come across bilks before. It apparently means to cheat, to trick, or to deceive. Well, you can sort of work that out, but, you know, why didn't they say that? Yeah. It's, it's, it, I, I bet it's American. It, yes, it, it must be. It must be. Um, Shocking. <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah, so we have no idea if that film's any good or not. Uh, no. It does come out on the 19th of February. It does. It, it's got three Academy Award winners. Well, two Academy Award winners with winners with three awards between them yeah and a golden globe winner as well yeah peter dinklage is that um is that game of thrones peter dinklage is yeah yeah game of thrones is peter dinklage yes that's him mm. um yeah so 
Do you know what? Sometimes they're just looking at a description. The more they emphasise all the awards that certain people have won, that mm. kind of feels like they mm. they don't feel the film can stand up on its own. It need it needs that proper. It's like when they talk about an, a hilarious comedy. Yeah, you don't need a qualified comedy if it's funny. Exactly. We've learned that over the years. Yeah. Anyway, those are your new releases that are out on Amazon Prime and Netflix for the forthcoming week. When we return, we'll be looking at Simon's choice of films on free-to-air TV, and I'll throw in some of my choices as well. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Welcome back to the second part of this week's uh, St Albans Film Guide. And uh, this is where we look at the uh, choice of films on free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week for Simon and I. Uh, We run from Friday the 19th of February up to Thursday the 25th. Yes. And we start off with a film that Simon has chosen, 9pm on Film 4, and it's the cracking thriller Sicario, which is not a song by Phil Collins. No. No, it's not. Um, it's a, uh, a narco-thriller. Oh, not another one of them? Yeah. Um, it's set in that unofficial war zone between uh, the US border and Mexico. And it's about uh, government, American government agents and their war on drugs and they're not playing entirely by the rules. And in the middle of this, uh, we've got... Kate Mercer, a high-achieving by-the-book FBI agent played by Emily Blunt and so she's a bit surprised by what she finds Joss Brolin is the um, one of the sort of good-slash-bad guys as is Alejandro uh, Benicio Del Toro play, plays Alejandro, a sort of slightly dodgy character as well lots of bloodshed um, yeah, pretty violent stuff and spawned a sequel. Mm. And I think there's a third one in in the pipeline, I believe. Um, I'm now looking that up to see if I just made that up. Um, I might have made that up. But uh, yeah, certainly, um, yeah, there was, a, there was a sequel, uh, Sicario Day of the Soldado. Uh, which which came a couple of years later. I, I thought this film had a great style to it. It felt very kind of documentary, even though it's clearly not. Mm. You know, it, it had that feel to it, which I think there were other films that felt in a very similar way, like um, Zero Dark Thirty and The Hurt Locker uh, and um, The Kingdom, if you recall that film, which are they're all not dissimilar settings or at least those ones aren't that i think all these ones i just mentioned are all to do with afghanistan whereas this is this is to do with south america but but it had a, a very similar feel to it mm. um and and yeah th- this was just i thought you know great film breathtaking performances but uh, benicio del toro particularly chilling in this i thought mm. yeah, very, very good um there is a sequel planned a second sequel planned by the way oh okay 
um, it is uh, hoped to start filming, only start filming uh, this year. Okay, well, thank you for that. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so I thought I'd heard something about a third mm. one. Mm. Um, but anyway, that's uh, that's Sicario, which is on 9pm on Film 4 on Friday the 19th of February. Uh, also on Friday the 19th, uh, 8.25pm over on BBC One, a film that you and I went to see in the cinema uh, a couple of years yeah, you back. Often back you often say that, but you make it up. No, I don't. No, I don't. We've been more. You just don't like to admit that we're friends outside of this, and we see each other in other uh, other settings. That's all. Trying to stay cool. But anyway, we went to see Stan and Ollie. Do you remember that now? Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, this is the the biopic uh, about Laurel and Hardy and uh, Steve Coogan and John C. Riley start, uh, focusing on the events of 1953. So long after their heyday uh, as the comedy duo try to reignite their film careers by embarking on a gruelling tour of British variety halls as they set out on their demanding schedule with their wives back home in the US Stan is distracted by his attempts to pin down the producer of their proposed comeback film and Ollie tries to heal a rift caused by a perceived professional betrayal the build up of pressure starts to tarnish their precious partnership and I thought this was this was really sensitively and beautifully done the, the, you know it's very yeah. gentle but but very um involving drama it was very funny in places and their portrayals of of laurel and hardy and the way that they reenacted some of their famous skits you know was 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 done with a lot of a lot of uh, care and attention uh, but but the performances the, the two main performances were 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 great you know steve coogan was really really good um and and showing that he's a bit more than alan partridge which which was which was good to see and uh, and and john c Riley was 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 great as a nearly unrecognizable um you know you could barely you know his makeup and his prosthetics were so good at convincing that you know that, that he did look the part as um the one he played he was Ollie, yes. wasn't he oliver Ollie. hardy oliver hardy mm. babe as he was called in the film if i remember rightly yeah there's there was a certain uh, playing fast and loose with the, uh, the 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 actual history, uh, I understand, uh, but you know I don't think that really sort of you know, spoils the whole thing. I think the the idea of them having a rift, which was rankling over years, was something that was uh, true. And and after Hardy died. Uh, Laurel uh, never really did anything again and, and that was partly because of uh, it, you know the idea of working with anybody else was you know just wouldn't have been the same sort of thing the, the, I, I also remember in the closing credits there were there were some uh, screens weren't there with, with text explaining what happened afterwards yeah as a lot of these things have and, yeah. and I thought it was quite heartbreaking that um Laurel carried on writing Laurel and Hardy's scripts yeah. after yeah. Um, Hardy died, right up until his own death, even though he knew they would never ever see the light of day, they would never ever be performed, but it was just what he did he just kept writing all the time and it, it, it helped him to stay connected to that but uh, but yeah, uh, beautifully done and it's the same team that, that did Philomena, uh, so it's the same producers and the same scriptwriter, and it had it had something of that uh, poignancy to it as well I thought 
So that's my choice for uh, Friday the 19th, 8.25pm on BBC One HD and on the other BBC One as well, I'm sure. That's Stan and Ollie. So let's move to Saturday the 20th of February and Simon has chosen 5.05pm on BBC uh, on ITV2, Chicken Run. Yep. Um, this is a, a slightly odd sort of um, collaboration between uh, Ardman and uh, Mel Gibson. <laughs> you wouldn't necessarily have thought we're, we're sort of bedfellows. Um, I mean, I say collaboration, that's not true. It's not a collaboration as such, but Mel Gibson adds his voice to the story. This is 21 years old now. Extraordinary how time goes. Basically, it's a bit like um, a prisoner of war film, but instead of prisoners of war, it's chickens and trying to escape from their high security egg farm and finding their way to freedom uh, lots of really good voices in it uh, Julia Sawala Jane Horrocks Miranda Richardson Timothy Spall and Mel Gibson uh, which is it still seems slightly weird but uh, yeah it's a good project it's one of the f- first really big sort of Ardman um, projects I, I believe yeah, yeah, I think this this was probably their biggest, most ambitious project at the time, and I suppose they needed somebody like Mel Gibson in the casting of it, however odd that might have appeared, to to, to give it a bit of credence in Hollywood, you know, to have a, a big star name as, as one of their voices. Because I think as a film, it could have worked perfectly well without Mel Gibson. Uh, you know, he was, I'm not saying he was bad in any way, but it, it, it you know, his, the, the cost of it, Mel Gibson being the voice of that must have been quite high. Whereas they probably could have got an unknown actor who would have done just as good a job and cost a fraction of the, 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 the wage bill. Mm. But, but, uh, but nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, it, I suppose he's got quite a distinctive voice, hasn't he? Mel Gibson. Um, yeah, but yeah, I remember the days when these animated things would be hugely successful without any famous people in them at all. It was just oh, I the, know. indeed. You know, it indeed. is slightly gimmicky. Um, and mm. there was there was I can't remember who it was now, but there was quite a famous actor being interviewed recently uh, and being asked why he likes doing animated films as opposed to what he's normally known for. And this actor was normally known for more more adult not adult movies but you know more, mm. more movies mm. for grown-ups and not the sort of thing that kids could see and, and, and he's and i remember the answer being that he said it was two things one that these were films that then his family could watch whereas most mm-hmm. of the films he makes his family can't watch them but he said two he said you get paid the same money as you get paid for any other kind of film but it's a day's work mm. and 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 it was well, you, you can know, see that can't you that you know you haven't got to dress up you 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 haven't got to learn the lines no you just go into a booth in a recording studio mm. and you just hit it and, and you can mm. probably get most of your dialogue done in a day or so. I can't remember whether they do the... Do they have to speak with... They see it They see it, and they speak... Uh, the, the film is done, made first and then they speak afterwards, is that it? I've got a feeling that when it's more famous people, it's the other way around. I, I, I remember seeing a, a thing about The Lion King and how they were filming Jeremy Irons doing the voice because mm-hmm. the animators then used that to shape the face of the animation of the, okay. the character that he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there was the, apparently it was it's something that, that they would do. And I imagine these days they would do that more so, that, 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 you know, particularly where they've got a famous person doing, doing the voice. Mm. They probably wouldn't have something of that actor's characteristics in the, chari- in, mm. in the animated mm. character. But... 
but if you want people that are a lot cheaper that can do a, a, a good workmanlike job then you know Simon and I are available mm. yeah, I mean the, the Toy Story films are an interesting mix aren't they of sort of um, very famous people like Tom Hanks uh, and yeah I mean there, the, the other, there are others who are quite well known but not sort of you wouldn't necessarily the man in the street wouldn't necessarily recognise them if they were in a film yeah. um, uh, in, in other circumstances so. and, and, another, and, and in those I think a lot of the other actors in the Toy Story films are probably very well known in America but less so over here mm. a lot mm. of American personalities but, but something else that they do know in a lot of these animated features is that they have different actors in different regions because there was one I think it might have been How to Train Your Dragon or one of those films which had Chris Moyles in it but he's only in the English version you know, it's right. a small part and he's in the mm-hmm. English version because that helps him to, to promote it in this country and I think mm. Jonathan Ross was in one of those films as well but he was only in the English version he wasn't in the American or the other versions of it um, and they cast somebody else that was that'd be How to Train Your Dragon <laughs> yeah very good uh Anyway, I don't know if Chris Moores would be offended by that or not, but anyway. Right, so anyway, Chicken Run is your choice. A good, good, good Ardman animated fair and fun for all the family uh, from the year 2000. That's uh, 5 or 5 p.m. on ITV2. Uh, my choice for uh, Saturday the 20th, you're going to like this one, Simon. Uh, 1 p.m. on BBC2 from 1935 is The 39 Steps. Ah, that's interesting. I thought you might say that. Mm. So, this is the Robert Donat one, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mm-hmm. um, yeah, the Hitchcock thriller, the first of. Well, I know of four adaptations of this um, because it, I think Kenneth Moore in the fifties, um, Robert Powell in the seventies, and then the BBC did one more recently with Rupert Penry Jones. So mm. it's, it's, it's certainly a, a well done story. Um, but yeah, this is this is what. I'm not even entirely sure if this is the first one because I've got a feeling there might have been a silent movie version of this. Maybe, and and they they don't always. I I got a feeling that more modern ones were more uh, uh, accurate adaptations of the book. I think I think some of them were, but I think also some of them were were further away because the Robert Powell one. I seem to remember the the, the finale being in Big Ben and him running around the tower and and then falling out of the, the, the a glass panel on the front on the face of Big Ben and hanging onto one of the arms of Big Ben. Whereas the original story was it was uh, in Scotland, wasn't it? The Thirty Nine Steps were steps that went down the coast to the beach in Scotland. Um. Yes, it was the fourth bridge. Uh, yes, um, yeah. I'm just looking up about the the one that the thir- the 1935 film that we're talking about here, and it says uh, the film's plot departs significantly from Buckham's novel, with scenes such as the music hall and on the fourth bridge absent from the book. Now, yeah, the music hall scene. You see, that's quite a, that's a, a quite an iconic scene, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Hitchcock well, he, also introduced the two major female characters, Annabella, the spy, and Pamela, the reluctant companion. Right. Yeah, because I don't think there were many females in the Buchan original. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if there weren't really any prominent females in, 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 in a book of, from that era. 
But anyway, this one uh, is, is the Alfred Hitchcock thriller from 1935. And it's all about a Canadian in London who offers a safe hiding place to a British secret agent investigating a spy ring. However, when she is murdered, he realises he will be the prime suspect and goes on the run with the intention of exposing the real killers. Uh, based on the John Buchan novel starring Robert Donat, Madeleine Carroll, uh, Lucy Mannheim, Godfrey Turl and Peggy Ashcroft. And uh, yeah, quite a fine example of early Hitchcock uh, before he went all Hollywood. But maybe we'll come on to that. Maybe we will. Yeah. Maybe we will. So that's uh, that's Saturday, the 20th of February, uh, 1 p.m. on BBC Two. Let's move to Sunday, the 21st of uh, February and 1.35 p.m. on BBC Two. Another Hitchcock film from a similar era from Mm. 1938, The Lady Vanishes. Indeed. A close second, it says here, behind the 39 Steps as the best film of Alfred Hitchcock's British period. A sublime comedy thriller um, co-scripted by Alma Reville, Reville, who was married to Hitchcock at the time. And uh, the dynamic duo of Frank Launder and Sidney Gilliatt. Uh, they they were quite a, a well-known duo at the time, Lauder and Launder and Gilead. There isn't a wasted frame. Uh, Michael Redgrave and Margaret Lockwood search a Balkan express train for Dotty Dame May Whitty. Basil Redford and Norton Wayne drew all the plaudits as the cricket match, Charters and Caldicott. They were a, a, that, that was a, um, a nice sort of little side issue. These, these two people that were sort of obsessed with getting back for a cricket match I think it was um, yeah it's uh, it, it's a lovely film and um, there have been other versions of The Lady Vanishes obviously but um, I think I think these Hitchcock films of, of the pre-war period are, are rather good yeah um, that's uh, that's The Lady Vanishes which is on uh, BBC Two one thirty-five. Uh, PM on uh, Sunday the 21st of February and um, they must be doing some kind of um, I don't know like a a season of Hitchcock maybe Um, because uh, my next choice is another Hitchcock uh, which uh, and and I wasn't intending to pick this many Hitchcock films but there just wasn't an awful lot else on that was worthy I thought over the weekend but I've gone with uh, which is on in fact on the same channel immediately afterwards they're doing a Hitchcock double bill I've gone Mm. with Suspicion uh, which is on 3.40pm a woman swept off her feet by the attentions of a charming rogue agrees to marry him despite the warnings of friends however his increasingly odd behaviour arouses her suspicions and when his business partner dies in mysterious circumstances she becomes convinced he has murder in mind Alfred Hitchcock's thriller with Cary Grant, Joan Fontaine Nigel Bruce and Cedric Hardwick and uh, of course I have to pick um, this film not least because I'm related to the female star of this movie in, a, in an incredibly like thin uh, way but but uh, but yeah my step-grandfather's cousin Joan Fontaine is, uh, is the, the female lead in this film opposite Cary Grant but um, but great support as well from Nigel Bruce, who you may know as yep. the 1940s Do- Doctor, Doctor Watson, Watson. Mm-hmm. Um, who was uh, yeah, who who was very very good in as a very, very much a, a sort of kind of a comedy actor really, and and 
you know, the, the way he played Watson, whilst it, it angered many a Holmes purist because it made him into some sort of buffoon and bumbling fool, it was a caricature that carried on for, for decades afterwards in adaptations of Holmes and Watson. Um, but but yeah, yeah, a, a great film. And, and this, so this must have been one of Hitchcock's first Hollywood movies, I would imagine. So what was the date of this? Uh, 1941. Yeah, it must be, must it? Yeah, if 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 thirty eight he was making British films, it must have been. Uh, um, yeah, it must have been one of the first. It's only three years after a British film, so. Mm. Yeah, so um, yeah, that that's uh, that's my choice for uh, for Sunday, twenty first of February, three forty p.m. on BBC Two. That's the film Suspicion. We move now to Monday, the twenty second of. February and I don't believe there's a Hitchcock film in sight for today um, but Simon has chosen 9pm on a film for Shallow Grave Yes, um, this is uh, a rather good uh, thriller uh, mystery It uh, have you seen Blood Simple, the Coen Brothers film? I think so Yeah, think it's so. a similar sort of story to that in that these people find a, a stash of money in a dead body and things go a bit sort of haywire after that. It stars three people who were not terribly well known at the time: Kerry Fox, New Zealand actor uh, Christopher Eccleston, and Ewan McGregor. Uh, it's set in Edinburgh. Um, it's directed by Danny Boyle. It's one of his first films, and uh, it is compared to uh, Tarantino. It says here. But it says comparisons with Tarantino are unfair because this is much better. Um, so uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a it's a very good uh, a very good thriller, quite a dark dark thriller. Mm. Yeah, uh, and um, it's uh, th- I read this quote here that apparently um, uh, whenever um, Danny Boyle's father is asked about his films. Uh, he always replies that yeah that one was good but not as good as Shallow Grave apparently it's his standard reply to, to whenever he's been asked about any of his son's movies so his son so his father obviously thinks this was his best work and also it's it's connected to Trainspotting not least because it's, it shares some of the same cast mm. but, but it shares a character uh, Keith Allen plays the same character in both movies oh really and Trainspotting was set a few years before it came out so it came out in the mid 90s but it was set in the 80s apparently right um, I, I've s- I saw the film a long time ago and I, I didn't recall when it was set but apparently it was set prior to this movie and Keith Allen plays the same character in both of them he plays a drug dealer uh, and, and Danny Boyle yeah it sort of linked them in a, ver- in a very subtle way there but but he has apparently confirmed that yeah that the, the, the two films were connected they were set in the same world as it were but mm. uh I remember Christopher Eccleston being particularly good in this as well because I think that when I saw Shallow Grave, I'd only really seen him in Doctor Who, and his character was nothing like his Doctor Who character in in, in uh, Shallow Grave. No, I mean he it, Doctor Who was after this, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah, no, sorry, I was slightly confused when he said you'd only seen him in Doctor Who, but you obviously didn't see this when it came out. No, no, I saw this a lot later. Mm. Uh, but uh, but yeah, um, that, that's uh, shallow grave, uh, and that comes that's on 9 p.m. on Film Four on Monday the 22nd of February. 
uh, my choice for for Monday, and and partly because you kind of nicked the good film first. So I was looking around to see what else is on on Monday that was worth watching, and I came up with another appearance from Cary Grant this week. Uh, he is in the film Bringing Up Baby, which I think is possibly one of the best examples of of these slapstick comedies these screwball comedies it says here mm. but from this era um this is him and Catherine hepburn and it's about an a zany heiress who tries to acquire the help of a timid paleontologist in looking after her pet leopard as you do uh, as she starts to fall from the as she starts to fall for the bemused academic she decides to stop him marrying his severe assistant and accidentally endangers his efforts to get funding for his beloved museum uh, doesn't sound like it's that funny, but but uh, but yeah, hilarious film and and you know, great great um, uh, chemistry between uh, Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn, and really showing them both being incredibly um, adept to 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 this sort of um, genre of film. So from all the way back to 1938, which is what 83 years ago. I didn't realise it was that old. Okay, 1938. Yeah. Okay. Yes, but it's funny. I, I always think of Cary Grant as being more modern than that. Really? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Fifties and early sixties, for some reason or other. I've got a feeling he pretty much retired from acting at that point. Hmm. Maybe I'm thinking of someone else. <laughs> that wouldn't be like some, it, would it? somebody younger. Mm. Yeah. I mean, he did... North by Northwest was in the early 60s, which I think was one of... Towards the end of his career. We're now rapidly looking up Cary mm. Grant. Um, but... Uh, see, on other, uh, other film shows, they'd have this sort of information to hand already, whereas I think it shows the, more, the realism that, that in, in this by the fact we look it up while we're doing it. Yeah. Um, his last film was listed as being in 1966. North by Northwest was 1959. All right. Um, and his, his, early, his early credits were the early 30s. 1932 is his first screen credit. Um, okay. But, but maybe you only liked his latter work. And, and, and some of his more famous ones were, were toward the end of his career. Um, yeah, I suppose they were. Yeah. That Touch of Mink, that was 1962. That was one of his last films. Uh, Sh- uh, Sherard was 1963. And that was near the end of his run as well. North by Northwest was one of his last films. But anyway. Yeah, Catherine um, Hepburn and him. Like, like, yeah, it's funny because I always think of her as being uh, from an earlier era than him. But she's silly, really, bearing in mind that they were very well known for being in the same yeah. films. But did anyway. she do... Didn't she do a lot of... Was it Spencer Tracy that she did a lot of films with? She, she also did f- films with him, yes. Yeah. But, but, but certainly, um, yeah, very uh, you know, gr- great uh, leading actors in this. Uh, mm. Bringing Up Baby uh, from 1938, Monday the 22nd of February at 1pm. So we move now to Tuesday the 23rd of February. And I'm really surprised that you have picked this film, Simon, because this is the sort of thing I'd have picked. Um, okay. But, but nonetheless, you have. 9pm on 47, well, it's Mission Impossible Fallout. Yeah. Now, I've, I have to say, I've not really seen many of the recent Mission Impossible films. I've seen bits of them. Um, and I, I couldn't even tell you which bits the bits are in. You know, the, the famous where he's lowered down through the ceiling. 
That's the first one. Is that the first one, was it? And then there's the... Uh, what's the one where they're in a corridor and they put up a false sort of screen to hide the fact what they're doing from guards or something? Oh, I don't know that one. Yeah. I mean, it's all... They, they use sort of cameras and mirrors and... Anyway, um, but this one... It got five stars in the listing magazine, and I thought, let's let's give it a go. Yeah, it says, setting a new bar for exhilarating escapist adventure. The best and most thrilling of the Mission Impossible movies, it says here. I mean, I'm not okay. going to bore on about what it's about. I don't think that's really sort of important, is it? What audience... What audiences really want to see, it says here, is Tom Cruise's sensational stunt work. And the veteran action man doesn't disappoint. Leading car and motorbike chases through Paris, racing over London rooftops, and in what must be one of the most spectacular cliffhangers ever, a helicopter battle over mountain terrain. An extraordinary sequence that ratchets tension into the stratosphere. Is this the latest one? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, I was just mm. looking that up. Because there is the the, the, mo- the the next one, I believe, is number seven in the trilogy. Uh, that one they're currently making over at um, Leavesden, and they're hoping it will be released next year. This is oh, the one right. where Tom Cruise got all shouty on the set for people. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, him. yeah. Um, but the, the thing is, th- now this sounds like a criticism, but it's not. But they do all sort of blend into one another for me. Um, the first two I think had a very distinctive style and then beyond that I think they all kind of they all seem like they're very pretty much the same film however they are they are exceptionally well made they're really good films I, it does not surprise me for a moment that somebody gave this five stars you know it, it is gripping um, the way you know, just you just describing that brought back to me what this film was you know the, the, the moments in this film and you know they're exhilarating and, and, and Tom Cruise is great at doing this That they've, they've cottoned on to something by setting a lot of them in Europe which seems to, to work quite well and, 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 and also London has now been the backdrop for a few of the Mission Impossible films which, uh, which has got nothing to do with artistic reasons it's all to do with tax breaks mm. where, where, they, where they make these sorts of things and making it in London they get lots of tax breaks on the movie um, but the um but, but yeah, the, so the first one was directed by Brian De Palma and was, I thought, quite quite sort of distinct in its appearance. The next one was John Woo, which was incredibly distinct. Lots of slow-mo and mm. white doves and all that. And the third one was J.J. Abrams, but was just sort of, you know, was, was not quite a standout. And then all the subsequent ones, I think the last few have all been directed by the same person. Um, but they all, I don't know, they're just they seem similar um, but that's not to take away from it because I think they are cracking movies I'm, I'm still just slightly surprised that you picked them mm. well I, I am and you know I'm not sure I necessarily will watch it but um, <laughs> you know yes I, I mean, it does sound it sound very good and I, perhaps I, I think I ought to watch it yeah and there has been some sort of comment from from people about like how long can Tom Cruise keep doing this for? You know how how long can you? You know this is number seven now. But then mm. you know Daniel Craig's made the twenty fifth Bond film, and and the stories of those aren't that. You know that they tend to be similar. You know so so I think if it's made well and and it's it's got a good story. Well, won't it also quite... be something to do with the age of the actor? 
Well, yeah, they'll get to a point, I suppose, where where Tom Cruise can't do this anymore. But he doesn't seem to be showing mm. any signs of slowing down, even though he's a man of what? He's in his mid fifties now. He's got to be, isn't he? Yeah, uh, Tom Cruise is. Um, he's born in 1962, which means he's 59 this year. Yeah. But mm. you know, he he seems to be the sort of person that um, you know, you, you, if you told him, "Well, oh, should you be slowing down at your time of life?" Uh, he'd probably go and run twice as fast and do twice as many movies. Yeah, um, I mean, he, he does still look pretty good, doesn't he? I mean, he doesn't yeah. look. Yeah, I guess if you saw him up up close first thing in the morning he'd look a bit rough but don't we all you know <laughs> quite possibly but he's only a couple of years younger than you isn't he um yes not much younger than me no that's very true mm. and that's where the comparisons end really isn't it you're yeah. probably taller I possibly am yes I'd say quite quite likely he's yeah. very small isn't he I don't know quite how yeah. tall is he uh I I don't know, but I always remember they did a jo- they did this joke on um, Tier Five Friday. They had the guy who played Goose in Tom in Top Gun, who was his co-pilot, who went on to be the star of ER, um, Anthony Edwards. He was a guest on Tier yeah. Five Friday, and and they said to him, they said, you know, so you know, after Top Gun, you and Tom Cruise are you are you good mates then? And he was sort of like, oh yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, we're great mates. And you could tell from his response, he's never heard from Tom Cruise since Top Gun was made. And he goes, well, we've got a surprise for you because we've got him here tonight. And, and and this smoke sort of appeared by a doorway. And then this this uh, dwarf actor come running in with shades on and a, and a little um, flight suit and a bomber jacket with a big, big cheesy grin. And he sort of runs up to him and, and they, they reunite. Um, I guess it was funny if you were actually watching it, but nonetheless, it was... 5'7". Uh... Yeah, and that's, that's his showbiz height as well. I was going to say, because I... I... I, I could probably, if I pull myself up to my full height, I could probably just about get to five seven. But um, Pele's only five that. eight, by the way. Who? If, anyone, if anyone's interested, who's only five eight? Pele. You're taller than five seven, aren't you? Mm, doubt it. Okay. Maybe you must we, wear big shoes. We all shrink as we get older, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's yeah. Because who's um, Arnold Schwarzenegger? He still goes by the height that he was when he was bodybuilding, and apparently he's now several inches shorter than he was. Well, a few inches shorter because yeah, you get you you your your spine changes shape, doesn't it? So you're not yeah. upright anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm still hoping to hit six foot. I'm I'm five eleven and a half, and uh, I'm I still thinking I could do it one day. I, I think it's likely to go the other way. I'm afraid. Depends. If I lie down, I might better hit six foot one day. But anyway. Right, Mission Impossible Fallout, Simon's Choice, Tuesday the 23rd of February, 9pm on 4-7. I have chosen 9pm over on the Horror Channel, uh, a film that is not that well known, but it's a cracker. It's called Pacific Heights. A couple buy their dream house and rent out a flat to a well-off bachelor who turns out to be the tenant from hell. He subjects them to a campaign of terror in a ploy to force them off the property while the law appears to be always on his side. Psychological thriller starring Michael Keaton, Melanie Griffith, Matthew Modine and Tippi Hedren. And, uh, of Bird's fame. And also of Melanie, Keat- Melanie Griffith's mother fame. Oh, that's uh, true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, this is a this is a great little thriller, uh, and very much of of an ilk, 
you know, like um, Fatal Attraction and The Hand That Locks the Cradle and Single White Female. There are a few of these films of the late 80s, early 90s. And this is just as chilling as any one of those with, with a wonderful performance by Michael Keaton, who plays this absolute psycho who just appears to be very charming on the, on the face of it. Um, and, and he's terrifying. And, and, and I think that he, he's an incredibly underrated actor. I think that he, everything he does, you know, he, he, he sort of made his name for doing sort of comedy and zany mm. sort of stuff, you know, Beetlejuice. And then he did Batman, which is quite out there. And, and you know, I think subsequently he, he's made some really interesting choices in his, uh, in, in his films. And, uh, and this is, if you want to see him scary, this is the film. Great uh, performance. But do you know what his next uh, project is? Do you know what he's got coming up? Isn't he in Batman again? He's playing Batman again. Um, yeah. There's there's a the, the film of the Flash, which is coming up soon. Uh, it, it's something to do with alternate universes, and at one point, I believe it goes to the alternate universe where Michael Keaton's Batman is still around. And and yeah, and I think Ben Affleck's also in that film, reprising his role as Batman as, as well. Hmm. Weird. quite interesting hmm. but anyway Pacific Heights is my choice for Tuesday 9pm on the Horror Channel let's move to Wednesday the 24th of uh, February and Simon has chosen 6.40pm on Film 4 the second best exotic Marigold, ho- Marigold Hotel that's easy for you to say um, yes it's the sequel to the original film from uh, 2011 we've got much of the same cast there apart from the one that uh, didn't survive in the first one um, Spoiler. well I didn't say which one it was though um, who's uh, not in it this time I'm not going to say um, and we've got the addition of uh, Richard Gere and Tamsin Gregg as well it's been uh, a while since you've chosen a Richard Gere film it is it is actually it's not that long at all is it you, you had Pretty Woman a fortnight. I do have Pretty Woman not that long ago so it's not that long um, yeah so it, 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 this, the story basically is that they, all the others have sort of um, settled down in this hotel run by Dev Patel and um, th- and then Richard Gere and Tamsin Gregg turn up to check uh, check in, into the retirement ho- hotel as possible spies and I would emphasise the word possible spies for US financiers who uh, Dev Patel is trying to get to help fund his franchise of hotels. Um, directed by Richard Madden again, and um, yeah, it's... Uh, John Madden, I believe you mean. Richard Madden is the bloke from oh, Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, I said John, Richard Madden, didn't I? And I've got John Madden written down here as well. Um, there you go. Um, yes, or indeed Bodyguard, uh, Richard Madden. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, not, not having ever seen an episode of Game of Thrones in my life... Yet. Um, yet the touching ending is a fitting conclusion to another pleasure-filled journey populated by a wonderful ensemble apart from one of what feels like old friends there you go <laughs> that's the second best exotic marigold marigold hotel mm. uh, 6.40pm on film 4 Wednesday the 24th of February uh, if you like that I think you'll like my choice and this is one where I've not seen it but I, I'd like to see it it's one of those want to watch films uh, it's on 2am in the wee small hours of Thursday morning so very late Wednesday night uh, from 2006 it's the film Venus 
that the life of an elderly actor is turned upside down when the great niece of his friend and fellow veteran thespian comes to stay. An unlikely but lively friendship between the elderly man and the brash young woman develops as they explore the sights of London together. Comedy starring Peter O'Toole, Leslie Phillips and Jodie Whittaker. Another Doctor Who in the uh, film guide this week. Um, have you seen this one? I haven't. Peter O'Toole, Leslie Phillips. Yeah. And Jodie Whittaker. Yeah. Well, there's a thing. I wouldn't have thought Leslie Phillips and Jodie Whittaker would have ever been in the same uh, generation. There you go. Well, well, they're hardly the same generation. Well, no, in the same generation of films, let's put it like oh, that. Oh, OK. Mm. Or, or Peter O'Toole. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. Who I think is older than Leslie Possibly. Phillips. Leslie Phillips. Well, it's that same thing with Cary Grant again. I associate Le- Leslie Phillips with the f- 50s and early 60s, I suppose. But, yeah. Uh, no, I don't know this one at all. Sounds interesting. OK, uh, yeah. P- um, so Peter O'Toole uh, is... I'm just looking this up now. I think was old... No, uh, younger than uh, Leslie Phillips. Uh, but Leslie Phillips, miraculously, still alive. He's 97, I think. Good grief. But he's still alive. Uh, Peter O'Toole uh, passed in 2013. But, but yeah, um, this is... A, it looks like quite a charming um, film. And, yeah, you know, the, 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 the idea of Peter O'Toole and Leslie Phillips as these two sort of old actors um, in itself just sounds like it could be quite delightful. And then mm. they, they bring in this... Um, uh, you know... Uh, this great niece of of one of them who then suddenly comes into their lives and they strike up this weird relationship i don't think weird in i don't believe it's like inappropriate weird i believe mm. it's you know it's yeah, unusual yeah. that yeah. a girl in her 20s and a bloke in his 80s or 90s and they they seem to strike up a friendship but uh, but i saw a trailer for it when it came out back in 2006 and it looked quite interesting but i, I never actually got round to uh, to watching it and then there was nothing else on uh, on Wednesday that you hadn't already chosen and so I, I actually I'm saying that I wouldn't have chosen the exotic Marigold Hotel film anyway but but yeah because of uh, slim pickings I thought I'm going to put this film on there and maybe I, I will be the, the one that I will watch this week that I've not already seen so that's Venus which is on film four uh, the, the small hours of Thursday the 25th of February at 2am we move to um, Thursday properly and your next choice Simon your final choice of the week I think it it's probably fair to say if you'd like the last two films you'd probably also like this one yeah uh, it's Educating Rita BBC4 9pm yes it's it, I, perhaps at the time it was quite original but I was thinking of that um, uh, film with Hugh Grant and is it Marissa Tomai where he plays a, a writer uh, in America doing a writing course um, and she's she's one of his students. Anyway, th- this is uh, based on a, a Willie Russell stage play. It's his own adaptation of it, and it stars Julie Walters in her f- film debut, and Michael Caine as the drink-sodden, cynical lecturer uh, who's teaching English at a university. So Julie Walters is this sort of bright working-class girl who. Um, uh, comes into his class and, and basically forces him to sort of do his job. Uh, Michael Caine got a BAFTA for it and an Academy Award nomination. Um, and, and I think she did as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, great performances from both of them who, who 
you know, it says here sort of perfect for their mm. perfect casting. Was the Hugh Grant film, were you referring to the rewrite? I think I might have been, yes. Yeah, and it was Hugh Grant and Marissa Tomei. Well, you know, it's not often I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. I was, I was fully expecting it to not to be neither of those people. I, so I was about to start searching for Colin Firth because uh, I thought you probably meant him when you said Hugh Grant or something. But no, you, you got it right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my mum once said something about an actor, and, and and she's worse than you for getting it wrong, and and said um, said you know the the, the 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 bloke from James Bond, and I worked out eventually she meant Patrick Stewart, okay, who she thought was like Timothy Dalton, and that's where the, and it took me a long time to work out who she was talking about, and, okay. and it was, and all she gave me was James Bond. And I managed to eventually work it out from there. Mm. So in a way, I don't know. I don't know whether she's trained me for you or you've trained me for her. But you know, well, give you know me that, a breadcrumb. That, and I... that bald bloke that played James Bond. <laughs> she said they've got the same chin or something crazy like that. And mm. yeah, I don't know. Anyway, but yeah, educating Rita, a wonderful film uh, from 1983, uh, and that's 9 p.m. at BBC Four. And then my final choice for the week. Um, also 9pm but over on Sony Movies is a film called The Good Shepherd a fact-based drama exploring the secret history of the CIA from the Second World War to the Bay of Pigs invasion in 1961. Agent Edward Wilson's job involves um, leading a double life until one day he is forced to make the terrible choice between national security and ensuring the safety of his family. Directed by and starring Robert De Niro with Matt Damon and Angelina Jolie and a cameo by um, Joe Pesci, who at this point hadn't been in a movie for years, and then since this hadn't been in a movie until the Scorsese thing from last year, the one that was on, was it The Irishman? Um, yeah. That had Joe Pesci in it. was just his first film for a very long time. He'd retired from acting. What's he doing with himself? Probably playing golf, counting his money. He's probably quite old, isn't he, I suppose? Yeah. Well, I imagine he's probably of a similar age to De Niro. Yeah. He's reduced to doing adverts for cars now. Robert De Niro mm. do you think he's got an answer machine that just says yes I'll do it maybe because he does seem to turn up in, you, you think about his body of work up until a certain point where it was classic after classic after classic and then he mm. doesn't have to do some dross nowadays yeah you think every time he sells out and does like bad grandpa six or something like that you, you just think you know does that not take away from the bloke who's in Raging Bull I like yeah I mean he, he does sometimes uh, turn in, in in one of these sort of films that you think oh this is just going to be awful like that one where he plays an intern an, el- oh, right, yeah. an, an old intern it's probably called The Intern or something like that I don't know um, it's it, called The Intern there you go you're uh, on fire today and it, does it also star um, uh, Anne Hathaway it does there you go wow you want to go for the director three for three no you're going to stop there no Rene Russo's in that as well, apparently. Well, anyway, that's okay. a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you quite like her, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, the Good Shepherd. Um, you know, good. good um, it's it's yeah. It's not not action. It's quite quite. It's sometimes kind of slow drama, but it's a good drama nonetheless. And. Robert De Niro, not known for being a director. He has done one or two films, and this is one of them. Uh, but good performance as well for Matt Damon and Angelina Jolie in this uh, historical drama. 
uh, set from uh, around the time of World War Two. I think it is pretty much about the the origin the, of the beginnings of the CIA, which I think was called something else in World War Two, and became the CIA. It might be called something like the OSS. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, yes, it, it's it's looking at that period, and it goes up to the early 60s with the, the, the Bay of Pigs and just prior to the Cuban Missile Crisis. But that's The Good Shepherd, 9pm on Sony Movies uh, on Thursday the 25th of February. And that concludes the film guide for another week. So Simon, which of your choices is your film of the week? Uh, oh, heck. Um, mm, I think it is going to be actually it's not as quite as clear this week as, as it sometimes no, is your choices are mainly rubbish that's why you can have one of mine if you want no 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 I think I might go for uh, Shallow Grove okay uh, I'm without hesitation and going for Pacific Heights which okay. I think is a, a cracking little thriller and it's one that the chances are a lot of the um, the audience a lot of our listeners both of them maybe um, wouldn't have seen this film before would not be aware of it but it's a really good thriller and uh, well worth looking out for great performance from Michael Keaton so uh, so there you go Shallow Grave and Pacific Heights are our choices of the week and um Simon, you'll be back on Sunday. And are you back in the pulpit on Sunday? I am. You, you handed over the, the, the reins, as it were. I did. To, to the reins were handed else. over. Yeah, no, I'm back on Sunday. And it's the first Sunday of Lent. Um, so uh, traditionally, that's when we think about the temptations in the wilderness. Okay. So is that, that, is that pretty much the theme for... Uh... Yeah, pretty much. Okay. I, I could that's... let you know further when I've actually done something about it. <laughs> No, 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 you, just enough to tantalise. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, so that's the Dagnall Street Baptist Church virtual service, which, yes. which comes out as a podcast on a Sunday yeah. morning. Yeah. Uh, and you can find that where you found this. The link as well is on our website, stalbanspodcast.com. The, uh, the films that Simon and I have recommended are in the description of this episode right now. And uh, we'll be back next week doing this all over again. Uh, thanks a lot, Simon. Take You're care, welcome. everyone.